All right, welcome everybody. Pastor Eli James here. This is February 10, 2024. And today's topic here on Genesis to Revelation is Isaiah 20, uh, sorry, 34. Isaiah 34. Dan can't make it today. He caught that flu that's been going around. I know several people, at least a, a dozen people, who have caught this flu. I, I seem to be the first one <laughs> to caught it on uh, Thanksgiving Day when I flew to um, Las Vegas. And that uh, was really bad. I had to, uh, do, in fact, I did a show about the uh, supplements I was taking to get rid of the congestion, which would not go away. And uh, I learned about biofilms and... Uh, I attacked the uh, congestion with biofilm remedies, which really worked. It totally worked. And in fact, it got rid of the congestion I have, I've had for years. And I also got rid of the flu and candida. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be making um, my recipe for beating biofilm and flu. You can get rid of it all at, at the same time. I'll be making that available on Anglo-SaxonIsrael.com fairly soon. I'm going to be doing a blog there of recent events, etc., and articles. We'll be doing that very soon. Anyway, today's topic is going to be... Oh, yeah, let me also quickly announce that I will have a new guest host, co-host on Voice of Christian Israel starting this Sunday. And we're going to be talking about Alexander Hamilton. We'll be doing a series on traitors. Traitors to America, traitors to our race, uh, traitors to our religion, etc., etc. And so I'm really looking forward to doing that. So, uh, again, Voice of Christian Israel this Sunday. Okay, so let's get into this. And as we talk about... Isaiah 34, the, because we're getting into the point in our prophetic history, our prophetic times, where we really have to knuckle down, <laughs> uh, get our, dig our foxholes, and get ready, because the conflict of the ages between the two seed lines we being of the seed line of Adam and the Jews being the seed line of Cain through Nachash, whose daddy was Lucifer, Satan, etc. That conflict of the ages is getting ready to have its final battle. Final battle. And you can see the world gearing up for World War III. But, you know, I've been saying it started already. World War III started with COVID. And the first shot fired was with a hypodermic needle. So it's going to get, uh, and of course, the, the Jews are employing, you know, machetes uh, and every every kind of the dregs of the earth importing imported into our white nations to destroy us. I mean, if you don't see that World War III has already started, then you are you know, just not paying attention. But that's true of the vast majority of Judeo-Christians. Even the vast majority of white people, especially liberals, they'll probably never see it, etc., etc. So, judgment on the nations, Isaiah 34, verse 1. Come near, ye nations, to hear and hearken, ye people. Let the earth hear and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. So here, this chapter is clearly for all nations and all peoples, not just to Israelites. Just as the Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, where Abram is declared and his descendants are declared to be a blessing to all the nations. And we're definitely not talking about Jews there. Because, uh, here, let me go there. Because it's really important that it, uh, to set the context of this. And Genesis 12, 
1 through 3. Now Yahweh had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, which was Chaldea, and his dad was a pagan, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, get thee away from Chaldea, unto a land that I will show thee. I've got a job for you. I've got a job for you, because the uh, the giants, the Nephilim, survived the flood, and they had settled in Canaan land. The Anakim, the Giborim, etc., etc., had settled in, uh, in Canaan land. And his descendants, namely the 12 tribes of Israel, will be asked to make war, actually commanded to make war against these descendants of the fallen ones. And that is the mission. And of course, they had mixed with the descendants of Cain, the Kenites, etc. And unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now, the vast majority of Judeo-Christians totally ignore this verse. And, of course, the Jews want you to ignore it, too, because this says straight out, I will make of thee, Abram, a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So here, unconditional blessing language. And, of course, Abram had three wives, Sarah, Hagar, and Keturah. And his descendants through those three wives, all of them, have been a blessing to the rest of the world. Plain and simple, no confusion. The Jews have never been a, a blessing to anybody. They have been a curse to planet Earth because they are the descendants of Cain and Nachash, and Lucifer. Plain and simple. It doesn't get any simpler than this. The only reason that Christians believe that these verses are about the Jews, which the Jews aren't even mentioned, the word Jew doesn't even appear in the Torah, doesn't appear till 2 Kings 16.6, these verses have nothing to do with Jews, but because the Schofield Reference Bible asserts in the footnotes that these verses are about Jews and because the Jew Zionists have been promoting this false idea since 1906 with billions and trillions of dollars of propaganda money. That's the only reason anybody believes this nonsense. So before 1906, before this campaign to convert Jew- Christians into Judeo-Christians and Christian Zionists, there wasn't a Christian who believed anything like this. There wasn't a Christian. They all hated Jews because they knew the Jews were oppressors and moneylenders and the murderers of Christ. So this is a campaign of brainwashing started by the Zionists uh, even before 1906. They just hired Cyrus I. Schofield to compose these notes and he was being directly paid by the Rothschilds to do so. Now, verse 3, And I will bless them that bless thee. He's not talking about Jews. He's talking about the descendants of Abraham, none of whom are Jews. And curse him that curseth thee, and and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Okay? Not a single word about Jews. It's all about, and this this is clearly about Abraham and his descendants through his three wives. It's not about Jews. The word Jew is not even Judah is mentioned here. So let's get this straight. This is what the Bible teaches, but the Jews teach a completely different message to this, and it's all fabricated, clearly fabricated. So let's go back to Isaiah 34. Because we needed to set that context. And the judgment of the nations. Now, yeah, no more fence sitting, right? <laughs> Good morning, Mary and Swamp Fox. Yeah, are you sitting on the fence? Ouch, 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 ouch. Is that a picket fence or a chain link fence? <laughs> oh, 
nice wide brick fence. You're going to have to go one way or the other. Amen to that, Swamp Fox. One way or the other. You can't. You have to make up your mind, like the song says. You're going to have to finally decide. <laughs> pick on, pick up on one, leave the other behind. Love and Spoonful, great song by them. Anyway, Isaiah 34, let me repeat verse 1 again. Come near you nations. This is clearly addressed to all nations of the earth, just as Genesis 12 is addressed to all nations because we are the ones who are supposed to be giving them the blessing and we have been blessing the nations with our inventions with the gospel with our architecture with our roads with everything that the white race has ever done we have blessed the world with our inventiveness and our honesty and our creativity and work ethic etc You cannot say anything like that about the Jews. Absolutely nothing. The Jews have been a curse, and of course we know, in identity anyway, that the Jews are descended from Esau, Edom, and not from Abraham. Verse 2. For the indignation, oh, I like that word, indignation, ketzef, ketzef in Hebrew, a splinter as chipped off, figuratively rage or strife, foam, I'm foaming at the mouth, indignation, sore wrath of Yahweh is upon all nations, all the Goyim. And his fury, Kemah, Kemah, upon all their armies, Tzaba, a mass of persons or figurative things, especially regularly organized for war by implication, a campaign. So this is war, folks. We know it's war. We in identity know it's war. But the Judeo-Christians are going, la-di-da, everything's fine. I'm going to be raptured. I believe in Jesus. Therefore, I'm saved. All their armies he hath utterly destroyed. This is not past tense, although it is true past tense as well. It's also future tense. It's a prophecy. Talking about the judgment day. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. Now there's really only two tenses in Hebrew. And there's a, it's a future tense and then there's a present tense. An ongoing tense. That's all there is in Hebrew. And that's why Yahweh promised we'd have a new language so that we could be more specific. So people reading this may think it's only past tense. It's not. It's past and future. Verse 3. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses. Oh, Oh, the Bible's all about love and getting along with one another and and proclaiming homosexuals to be just like us and good people and we need to get along. No, we shouldn't. The Bible clearly says they should be put to death. And even Paul says they are worthy of death in Romans chapters 1 and 2. And it also says that homosexuals will not go into the kingdom of heaven. They will not. Yet the churches have turned the gospel on its head in, in order to shake the money out of our pockets with smooth preaching. And the mountains shall be melted with their blood. Not that the homosexuals are going to give any money to the church anyhow. They're kidding themselves if they think that. And the mountains shall be melted with their blood. Ooh, man, boiling blood. And all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved. The host of heaven, that's another word for army here. Yeah, it's the same word, Saba, the host of heaven. A mass of persons. And all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved. And the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. Very, this language is very similar to the book of Revelation. 
and all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falleth from the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. All right, so last Sunday on Voice of Christian Israel, I did a sermon about tree language, the arboreal language of the Bible. Namely, that tree language and arboreal language is always about people and not about the law. So here we have perfect examples of this language again. Talking about the host of heaven, we're talking about conscious beings, whether here on earth or in heaven. And they are like a leaf that falleth from the vine as a falling fig from the fig tree. Okay, we're talking about beings, people. This language has nothing to do with the law. Isaiah 34, 5. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon... Ooh! Ooh! <laughs> Cindy Lou! I do Mia! I do Mia! The land of the Edomites! And upon the people of my curse. People is Am. Ami in Hebrew means my people. Lo Ami means not my people. So he's saying these Idumeans are the people of his curse. And there's not a Judeo-Christian in the world who gets this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mary says the final showdown began with COVID and or divorce, as I, I call it. Yeah, divorce. Divac. Divac. Well, D. <laughs> That's COVID spelled backwards. Very clever, Mary. I like it. Divac. Vlade Divac, the basketball player. All right. Yeah, we, we can have cold language, too. That uh, the Jews, you know, the parable of uh, Matthew 13, I would not that these people understand. Why? Because they are the people of his curse. Once you understand the difference between Edomites and Israelites, the Bible becomes a brand new book. Let's continue. So the sword of Yahweh is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For Yahweh hath a sacrifice in Basra. How about Gaza? How about the wall around Gaza created by in Kyrgyzstan against the Palestinian people. No, no, that's not a concentration camp. The Jews don't do that to people. Of course they do. They're the most evil people on the face of the earth. And Gaza is the Jewish Auschwitz. That's what Gaza is. But no, 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 we don't practice apartheid. We're God's chosen people. With the fat of the kidneys of rams, for Yahweh hath a sacrifice in Basra, and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. Oh boy, oh boy. It's getting ready to happen, folks. The Jews are bringing it upon themselves. October 7th, the day of reckoning. The world has turned against these confounded Jews. And they're fighting amongst themselves. And the only thing the Jews argue about is how quickly they should destroy us. But in in their posts about destroying the white race, some of our people have to wake up. And even the liberals, they created liberalism and they created communism and they created Black Lives Matter. But even these people are turning against the Jews because what? They think that they're part of the white patriarchy. 
and have turned against the Jews. You see how their own plans will be turned against them? I'm almost of the opinion that we don't have to do anything. All we have to do is sit back and watch the Jews destroy themselves with the Frankenstein monsters. You know, like Frankenstein created the Frankenstein monster. And then once that Frankenstein monster realized what it was, that uh, and then who created it, and it went after its creator. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's what's happening right now, folks. The Jews are Dr. Frankenstein, and all the monsters they have created are going to turn against them. I've been praying. I've literally been praying that all these Arabs wake up and all two billion of them in the Middle East just storm the Israeli state and get rid of it once and for all. And that may happen too. There's nothing that Jews can do. The Jews are weaklings. The Israeli state is weakling. They're horrible fighters. They don't really fight against armed troops. They fight against unarmed civilians. Children, babies, mothers, teenagers. They don't fight against adult troops. Whenever they do, they lose horribly. Because Jews are not fighters. They're connivers. That's all they are. They're connivers. They have taken over the planet Earth through their connivances, through their deceit, through their fables, through their false claims of who and what they are. That's all they really know how to do. That's all, that's fact, that's the only power that Lucifer has. The only power that Satan has is to deceive. All their armies are proxy armies. And the day is has come where even Joe Biden is getting tired of sending American troops to fight wars for the Jews. Even Biden is getting upset with Netanyahu. Hoo, hoo. Folks, the judgment day is here. No doubt about it. Absolutely no doubt about it. Let's continue. And the unicorns, okay, it's probably Reem here. Let me look at the, yeah, it's the Reem. A wild bull from its conspicuousness. Unicorn. Where did he get the word unicorn from? <laughs> and the Reems, sometimes it's just better off to just leave a word untranslated. If you don't really know what it means, leave it untranslated. And the reams shall come down with them, and the bullocks with the bulls, and their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust made fat with fatness. Okay, I can see the goo. <laughs> try, try to walk through a field made of dust and goo. Fat. Verse 8. For it is a day of Yahweh's vengeance. And the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. Okay, what's the controversy of Zion? Well, there are two different genomes of people who are fighting over Zion, claiming Zion. <laughs> okay. Zion. Who is the real Zion? Is it those confounded Jews? Or is it us? Obviously, we are the kingdom. We are the... Oh, well, it's so obvious. Zion is reference to the hierarchy of the kingdom. And we, we're the only ones who can demonstrate our descent from Adam through Yahweh, through all the patriarchs, through King David, and the hierarchy of David, the dynasty of David, can be documented through our ancestors. The Jews can demonstrate no such thing. The average Jew doesn't even, don't even know what the word Judah means, or Zion means. All they know is that the rabbis use the word. That's all they know. That's how ignorant Jews are. But that's also how ignorant our people are. 
Christian identity must become a popular idea. Must, absolutely must. And that's what we're here for. So Brother Aber says, in latter days, Moab and Ammon, symbolic of the other races, will turn against you. That's, that, that's happening right now, folks. That is happening right now. The Jews are the wizards of the synagogues. Yeah, Oz. Okay. They are exposing themselves with their wickedness. Europe is turning good. And, of course, you've probably heard, none of this is on mainstream media, at least not here in America. All the farmers' protests going on in Europe, every single country of Western Europe. Apparently, Eastern Europe is not as badly affected by NATO and the European Union and the World Economic Forum as the West is. But those farmers that have it, have it up to here, the Welsh, the Irish, not, so far nothing in England, but I don't know about Danes. Uh, yeah, Danes, Hollanders, France, Germany, Netherlands, you name it, folks. They're turning against the Jew world order. But they don't recognize that it's run by Jew banksters. But uh, our message is getting out, folks. Our message is getting out. A lot of these videos I've been watching, they're using our language. Other people are creating videos that talk about the Jews being Edomites. Our message is getting out. So we have to be persistent. Shout it from the rooftops, folks. Shout it from the rooftops. The the doubters will come around. Especially if you tell them that Yahshua was an Israelite, not an Edomite Jew. We put those two words, Edomite Jew, Edomite Jew, Edomite Jew, Edomite Jew, Judean. Herod was a Judean. He was an Edomite Jew. His father, Antipater, was an Edomite Jew. They were not Judahites. They were not Israelites. And they've been pretending to be Israel ever since that day. And the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. Oh, I guess that's happening in Iceland right now, too. Lava. Oh, and the, uh, there's more and more reports that the caldera at Yellowstone is getting ready to blow its top. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Fires. Uh, the uh, west coast of South America, Chile is on fire, on fire. All the forests are burning, but I have a suspicion that's directed energy weapons. They're still practicing. So, again, here we go. When is one of these fires that the directed energy weapons directed by the Rothschilds is going to get out of control and burn up their own operations? That's going to happen, folks. They will be hoist on their own petard. It shall not be quenched night or day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. We're talking about Edom. That desert wasteland that still exists. But of course this is also figurative language about the the hell that the Jews are going to be cast into. Now, is, are they going to be down there perpetually uh, screaming in torment? Well, I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. <laughs> right? But uh, I'm thinking here, it's mainly that that pit, that burning pit, will exist forever because only we of Israel are going to be totally cleansed and given immortality other people, we're going to rule over the world of other races, and Yahshua will rule with a rod of iron, and we'll, we're going to be his government. So as I conceive the of hell more like a, an ongoing pit into which any miscreants will be tossed. Verse 10, it shall not be quenched night or day. Okay, let's throw him into the pit. Verse 11. But the cormorant, okay, I forget, some kind of bird, kawath, probably a pelican from vomiting, 
And the bittern, a bittern is a capod, another species of bird, perhaps the bittern, whatever that is, shall possess it. The owl also and the raven shall dwell in it, and he shall stretch out upon it the line of confusion. Oh, the eruv that the Jews use to cordon off their neighborhoods and claim the territory for themselves. And the stones of emptiness. So, eat them. Carbuncle. <laughs> Carbuncle. Okay, the root through the meaning of to build a stone. Well, what's going to, a wall. There's going to, there's going to be a wall around this pit. And you really have to be very evil to get tossed into this pit. So that's where all the Edomites are going. Verse 12, they shall call the nobles thereof to the kingdom, but none shall be there. And all her princes shall be nothing. Oh, man, this verse is all, this chapter is all about the vengeance upon Edom, folks. This is great stuff. I'm loving this. Okay, too too bad Dan can't be here for this. (laughs) And the thorns shall come up in her palaces, nettles and brambles in the fortresses thereof, and it shall be an habitation of dragons, and a court for owls. Well, didn't Netanyahu say we are here in our ancient homeland? Yeah, because you, you're you right in Edom. You've taken over Edom. And for a while, Judea was your homeland because you hired the Roman, the Roman army, as your proxy to defeat the house of Judah in those days. So, yeah, you can say that literally it is your homeland or it was your homeland. But you're not Judah. You're not Israel. You're Edom. And you have been, tra- <laughs> remember in Ezekiel, it says, I will put hooks in your jaws and I will drag you into a place of your judgment. Well, guess what? That's where you're at. That's where you're at. But actually, most Jews are in New New York City. So New York City is going to be judged too. And Hollywood, L.A., San Francisco, Miami, all the pits of your evil, your degeneracy, your money lending institutions, they're all going to burn. Every last one of them will burn. Let's continue. And thorns shall come up in her palaces, nettles and brambles in the, in the fortresses thereof. And it shall be an habitation of dragons. Okay, what's dragon here? Tan, T-A-N. Meaning to elongate a monster. <laughs> okay, yeah. The Jews are monsters. And a court for owls. So a congregation of owls, dirty birds. Verse 14, the wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island and the satyr, satyr, okay, sire, shaggy, a he-goat, a fawn, devil, goat, hairy, rough, satyr. It's interesting that they put, put satyr in there. Shall cry to his fellow, the screech owl, also the rest shall shall also shall rest there and find for herself a place of rest. Okay, well, rest while before you get uh, destroyed. There shall the great owl make her nest and lay and hatch and gather under the shadow. There shall the vultures also be gathered, everyone with her mate. So I guess it's talking about the, the, bird, the uh, carrion birds, the birds who feed on carrion like vultures and many others, many species of uh, carrion birds. Seek ye out of the book of Yahweh and read, No one of these shall fail, none shall want her mate, for my mouth it hath commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. Okay? There's going to be so many dead Edomites 
that uh, the birds will have a feast. Verse 17, And he hath cast a lot for them, and his hand hath divided it unto them by line. They shall possess it forever. From generation to generation shall they dwell therein. Okay, so the the uh, the vultures and other birds that feed on carrion will have uh, an unlimited supply of food. Let's continue verse 35. I'm in chapter 35. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall... Now he's talking about us. Because nothing is glad for the Jews. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing the glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of Yahweh and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak, the weak hands, and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with recompense, even Elohim with recompense. He will come and save. Okay, so talk about a contrast between these two chapters. One is addressed to Edom, the other is addressed to us. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open. Oh man, I can't wait for the day. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Oh man, you mean I can put down my my blowhorn? <laughs> my battery-operated blowhorn? Then shall the lame man leap as an heart and the tongue of the dumb sing for the wilder- in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Waters can also be people, healthy people, but usually waters are the, are the word, the word of Yahweh, the gospel, streams of living water, as Yahshua said to the woman at the well, and streams in the desert. Of course, this could also just be a prophecy of the fact that we Israelites will turn the deserts, the wastelands, into into blossoming orchards, as we have done in California and other places around the world. Oh, okay. Let's continue. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, in the habitation of dragons, where each day shall be grass with reeds and rushes. We don't need any swamps. Dragons, again, tan, meaning to a monster. So something, a really huge monster. Well, that's what Mystery Babylon is. It's a huge monster. And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. Okay, we're talking about, well, first of all, there was a time when from the landing of the Mayflower in 1620 to the giving of the U.S. Constitution and a few years up until the Civil War, and even after the Civil War, where the United States of America were a godly nation, And we turned this continent into a paradise. Absolutely no doubt that this is prophesying that event. However, it's also prophesying the coming of the kingdom, which we await very, very patiently. I say that with impatience. Verse 9, No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Oh, that reminds me of a couple of people I know who uh, basically do not think that any of these people can be redeemed or will be redeemed. And these verses prove otherwise. Verse 10, 
and the ransomed of Yahweh shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Talk about good news, folks. This is the good news for our people. So that was an interjection of prophecy regarding Israel and Edom into the historical narrative that has been the book of Isaiah so far. And the book of Revelation is very similar. It's got a historic slash prophetic narrative, which is often interrupted by glimpses of the kingdom. So very, very similar in the, how should I put it, with the, the narrative of the, these two books. And many of the other books are like that, but especially Isaiah, uh, Daniel. Daniel has many glimpses of the kingdom within its historical prophetic narrative, etc. Okay, and a lot of Judeos simply do not get this. That this is the way, you know, Yahweh intersperses pro, uh, glimpses of the kingdom of judgment, both good and bad, within the historical prophetic narrative. So, chapter 36, Sennacherib invades Judah. Now, it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the defensed cities of Judah and took them. Let's see, what is this word, defensed? Batsar, a primitive root to clip off specifically as denominative from to gather grapes also to be isolated that is inaccessible by height or fortification cut off fenced fortify grapes gather mighty things restrain strong wall i believe it's the same word that's in genesis chapter 2 where adam is uh, told to fence off but i think it's a different word because it does not necessarily mean offensed I think it's just there in Genesis chapter 2. It only means a uh, set-apart area like a farm. Farms aren't necessarily fenced off, uh, nor are orchards, although probably they should <laughs> uh, fence them off as well. But that's a lot of work to fence off an area. But you have to fence off a ranch to keep the animals out, to keep poachers out. So you have to a ranch with animals like cattle and sheep and goats, you have to fence that and fortify it. And you have to have dogs patrolling it, right, to keep the wolves out. To, yeah, it's amazing that uh, you can train a, uh, a uh, an animal, which is essentially a wolf, train dogs to attack wolves when they attack. And they really, really do a good job. Um, there was a story about one dog fending off four or five wolves by itself and getting very badly injured but surviving and killed all those wolves. So we can train our dogs to protect us. Amen. And the king of Assyria sent Rabshakeh from Lachish. Rabshakeh is one of his generals. Okay, Chief Butler, it says here. A Babylonian official, that is his actual name, from Lachish, which is part of, from or out of in many senses. So they, and maybe it's also a, a place name, but it doesn't suggest here that it's a place name. Sent him from somewhere, and it could be a place name as well. Okay, there's two words here. Um, Lachish, a place in Palestine. Very good. So let me start this verse over. And the king of Assyria sent Rabshakeh from Lachish to Jerusalem unto King Hezekiah with a great army. And he stood by the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. And a fuller is kabas to trample or probably by stamping with the feet, whether, whether literally according to the fulling process or figuratively for so maybe stamping and make it, to make a road 
by just stamping the ground. Then came forth unto him Eliakim, Hilkiah's son, which was over the house, and Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, Asaph's son, the recorder. And Rabshakeh said unto them, Say ye now to Hezekiah, Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this wherein thou shalt trust it? I say, but they are not but vain words. I have counsel and strength for war. Now on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? And this is Rob Shekhar speaking still. Lo, thou trustest in the staff of this broken reed on Egypt, whereon if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it, so is Pharaoh king of Egypt to all that trust in him, because the Israelites, the Judahites, had made a league with Egypt. But if thou say to me, We trust in Yahweh our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away, and said to Judah and to Jerusalem, Ye shall worship before this altar? I think he is mistaking the fact that the pagan altars were dissolved and taken away, Maybe he's misunderstanding, Rab Shekhar is misunderstanding what actually happened. Verse 8. Now therefore give pledges, I pray thee, to my master, king of Assyria, and I will give thee two thousand horses, if thou be able on thy part to set riders upon them. So I will give you a, uh, I'll even add horses to your army (laughs) and dare you to attack me. Now therefore give pledges. Verse 9. How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Well, I guess he doesn't know about Yahweh. And am I now come up without the Yahweh against this land to destroy it? Yahweh said unto me, Go up against this land and destroy it. Oh, really? Is that what he's claiming? Then said Eliakim and Shebna and Yoah unto Rabshakeh, Speak, I pray thee, unto thy servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it, and speak not to us in the Jews' language, the Judahite language, in the ears of the people that are on the wall. But Rabshakeh said, Hath my master, maybe he, He was speaking improper Hebrew, that the people weren't understanding him. But Rabshakeh said, Hath my master sent me to thy master and to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men that sit upon the wall, that they may eat their own dung (laughs) and drink their own piss with you? Oh, yummy. Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Hebrew language and said, Hear ye the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in Yahweh, saying, Yahweh shall surely deliver us. This city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Syria. All right, so it's obvious the the Assyrians know about Yahweh. And, of course, the non-Israelites of the world do not trust in Yahweh. And they're mocking Yahweh. Verse 16. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and eat ye every one of this vine, and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one the waters of his own cistern. In other words, come and be our slaves. You will be happy as our slaves. Verse 17, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware, lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, Yahweh will deliver us. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered his hand out of the hand of the king of Assyria? 
Where are the gods of Hamath, of Arphad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Ooh, Sepharvaim. Hmm. The origin of the Sephardic Jews. The gods of the Sepharvaim. And of course, that's Babylon, folks. And have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Now, little do the Assyrians know that the Babylonian rabbi is, and the, the uh, bankster priests of Babylon will eventually assist in the destruction of Assyria because those bankster priests are always lurking in the background of every kingdom waiting to take over with their money games. Who are they among all the gods of these lands that have delivered their land out of my hand? And that Yahweh should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. So he's comparing Yahweh with all the other gods of all the other nations whom those people are worshiping as local gods. The gods of that particular area. The gods of their particular country. But that's not Yahweh. Yahweh is the creator of the universe. But they held their peace and answered him not. A word. For the king's commandment was saying, answer him not. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, that was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, to Hezekiah, with their clothes rent, and told him the words of Rabshakeh. Okay, I'm sure uh, Rabshakeh is getting pretty anxious to hear their response, right? (laughs) Okay. Verse 1 of chapter 37. And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of Yahweh. I think I need to buy some sackcloth. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, unto Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble, and of rebuke, and of blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth, and and there is not strength to bring forth. It may be Yahweh thy Elohim will hear the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria his master has sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which Yahweh thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that is left. This is also talking about judgment upon our generation as well, folks. We are, because we are prophetic Jerusalem. Verse 5, so the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall ye say unto your master, Thus saith Yahweh, Be not afraid of the words that thou hast heard, wherewith the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Okay? Now, let's let's spread a rumor about Kykistan that the Jews are going to kill each other. So Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna. For he had heard that there was departed. He had heard that he was departed from Lachish, and he heard say concerning Tirhaka, king of Ethiopia, he has come forth to make war with thee. And when he heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, "We can we can spread false rumors too." Thus shall ye speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God in whom thou trustest deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands by destroying them utterly, and shall thou be delivered. Yeah, just wait. I will come back, and then I will destroy you. 
Have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed, as Gozan and Haran and Rezef? Rezef. Rezef. The same as Rezef, the place in Assyria. So this is the name of a town. And the children of Eden, which were in Telassar. Ooh, Telassar. Telassar, accent on the last syllable here, a region of Assyria. Verse 13, where is the king of Hamath and the king of Arphad and the king of the city of Sepharvaim, Hena and Iva? Okay. Interesting. Apparently in Mesopotamia, of course it's Mesopotamia. So, and Hezekiah's prayer for deliverance. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up unto the house of Yahweh and spread it before Yahweh. And Hezekiah prayed unto Yahweh, saying, O O Yahweh of hosts, God of Israel, that dwellest between the cherubims, thou art God, even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. All right. Confirmation that our God, Yahweh, is the creator of the universe and not a lesser God like all these other gods. Okay, we're going to pick this up next week, and we're going to start back from verse 1 in Isaiah 37, because this is great stuff. And Dan and I will go through this together, because this has to be parsed. This chapter is just loaded with information and, again, I wasn't expecting to hear about the Sepharvaim. And it doesn't mention Babylon, but Sephar Sephar was a, a suburb of Babylon. And that's where the Sephardic Jews come from. So we'll discuss this more next week. In the meantime, take care. Yahweh bless you all. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.